to Killer Bites, the bite-sized episodes for characters in the show that don't get as much time as more prominent characters and therefore would not constitute a full episode, but we feel they deserve some recognition. I'm Sandile. And I'm Fudzai. And I suppose we felt it fitting, given the Lily episode that you have probably just listened to and are rolling into this one. Bo, the heretic, played by Jaden Kane, is someone we wanted to spotlight first because Lord knows the show doesn't do it for him. Bo is, of course, one of the heretics that were trapped with Lily in the 1903 prison world, trapped there by the Gemini Coven. He is, how shall we say underserved compared to the more prominent heretic characters and that raises a number of issues for various reasons that we can get into my first impression of how much screen time and characterization the six heretics like each get is that the three women fare far better than the men which usually I'd be like, yay, yeah. get it. <laughs> Win, but unfortunately, in this group of six people, the only two people of color are two of the three men. And then one of those men is also mute. Bo is the one black heretic, which par for the course in Vampire Diaries. One of the few black men we get on the show who is a proper character. He is mute. But he doesn't have any other communication methods. Very often, what Bo is thinking or feeling or intimating is said by someone else. So it's strange that I don't know the history of like sign language or I'm sure sign language existed at the time they're from, regardless of whether it was a different form of sign language than we have now. I can't speak to that. So, you know, that's whatever. But it's like you'd imagine as witches, and just as people who've spent 130 years together, surely there's a way for Bo to have agency in the smallest respect of just like communicating his thoughts and feelings. Yeah. It's not even a situation where someone is his interpreter, right, as they go around. They'll just throw away, say what Bo's vibe on the matter at hand is, and then they'll cut to Bo kind of either frowning in the background or looking sad in the background. Or smiling and nodding. Right. In fact, Bo, and I didn't realize in my first watch, but I looked at it in this one, it's like, because of that, the only times Bo is on screen is when he's doing things for this group. Bo is their runner, right? It's always like, oh, Bo helped me put this together. Bo has gone out to go protect this or to go fetch this or to go whatever. And the dynamic it creates Maybe we're primed for it because, you know, we're always concerned with the race relations, especially in a show like this. But it's the thing we were saying could have happened with Harper and Pearl and Anna in season one. It is the thing that ends up happening with Bo, where it feels like he's just like running for people. Valerie and him seem to have a close bond amongst this group, but they rarely share any scenes. The only two scenes they share together is her saying, I hadn't seen Bo in over a decade and Malcolm reunited us. And it's like, oh, okay, from that I must assume her and Bo are really close. They don't speak again until after she's betrayed them and she divulges like the awful stuff that this character they're looking for has done to her. And Bo comes close to her and looks at her menacingly and then he softens and gives her a hug. And that's it. <laughs> it's like, uh. I don't... I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do about this. I was a younger man when this season came out. But even so, with the 
arguably lower level of media literacy that I had, I was immediately uncomfortable with this setup. I was like, okay, this is a quote-unquote multi-ethnic group of people. It's it's multi-ethnic in the way American stuff usually is. There's one Asian and one black person. Yeah, four of them are white. And the, the Asian we don't even see for the longest time because he's off doing something elsewhere. So it's five people, one of whom is black, and he's the mute one. And I'm like, no one in the writing room thought maybe this was a little weird in with all the comparisons you can make to, you know, silencing black people and not giving black people mm. voices and well-behaved black people being silent and being seen and not heard, especially in the, the period that Bo must have come from since he was a grown man who'd been a vampire for a while in 1903. He's like an established singer. He's got like this history. It's like he's a person. But you don't get that coming through in the text because he can't say anything for himself. And I want to be specific because you could, of course, go to the first level like you're describing of like, we've written the character as mute and that's the issue. But that gets iffy in terms of like disability politic and characters in that respect, which of course was not an intention you were ascribing. But like there are ways for mute characters as with mute people in real life to like communicate and that's the issue that I take where it's like you make no effort for him to be able to like communicate directly. It's a similar issue to Kimiko in The Boys, right? Which was rightfully called out when the first season of The Boys came out. And that's a larger trope with like East Asian characters, specifically East Asian women in storytelling where you get the silent Asian woman. And then eventually we get that Okay, Kimiko can speak sign language. It's one that her and her brother It's do. one, yeah. She and her brother made it up. Then she teaches that language to Frenchie, and then she can communicate with Frenchie, and Frenchie can interpret for her to other people. So it's like, okay, we've moved away from the weirdness of, like, her just being this silent character. She gets a voice, even if that's not a physical voice. And so it's like, I wish they had done that with Bo, because without it, he disappears. I knew that they were not going to be representing a mute character very well. This is the Vampire Diaries. We're in the, <laughs> the second last season by this point. I knew what to expect. I was like, this is already a show with an ensemble cast. And this is now an ensemble group of possible antagonists at this point. And when I saw that the black one was mute, I was like, so now he can't actually verbally speak and I don't see him ever using any sort of sign language. I was like, yeah. You're two minorities and you're in the Vampire Diaries? Crazy, girl. You Crazy know, lasted that long. We had a gay character last season and he died <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> Survived that long by virtue of being a white man, but they got him too. <laughs> It's so crazy. There is a scene between Stefan and Bo that makes me so uncomfortable because Bo shows up. I think they're living at Tyler's house or something. And Damon's done something. We'll get to it later. But Bo shows up to Stefan. Stefan gets out of the car and asks what's happening. And Bo stares at him because, again, Bo doesn't speak. And Stefan says, it's okay. I can speak mute. I'll just make a series of grunts at you or something to that effect. And it's like, oh. what? Dude oh was no! Crazy on so many levels. One for that line to be in the dialogue, and two for Stefan to say it. Like I get that they're the antagonist, but it does not feel like something Stefan would do. Paul Wesley forgot that he wasn't playing Silas in that scene. The look on his face in the line, I was like, "Is that Silas?" Because Silas will throw a slur out. Silas is not gonna <laughs> care if someone's mute. So I was like, "What the hell?" In his flashback, we do learn, which also I was like. At first, because I, I had never seen this actor before, I later on saw him in Luke Cage. Luke Cage, yes. I think he's like Cottonmouth's right-hand man. He doesn't get a lot to do, 
But like in terms of like the call sheet, I'm sure he was pretty high up there because of all of Cottonmouth's goons, he's the one that lasts the longest and does the most. And I was like, oh wow, this guy is actually like I'm I'm enjoying his performance. You were wasted in Vampire Diaries because they didn't <laughs> give you much to do as a mute character. But when I watched the show, Vampire Diaries, and I didn't know who he was, I thought, oh, is this an actual mute performer? Right. So I thought, okay, maybe he's mute. Maybe we'll get something because by then I'd been watching Switched at Birth. I'd become accustomed to characters that don't communicate through like spoken speech, like verbal the speech. The 2010s. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, okay, Switched at Birth, where Marcel Gerard's actor was for a little bit. Is he really? I only ever saw the first like five episodes of Switched at Birth, and the show just wasn't for me. But I thought it was interesting. He's in those first couple of episodes. I think he's Bay's boyfriend. Don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I hadn't seen the originals yet, so it didn't register at all. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so I was like, okay, a mute character. I've I've seen characters who don't speak, and let's see how you do it. And then he's just quiet and just doesn't do anything. He's not communicating. And then I was like, oh, and you, you thought the black guy was the perfect person to... Uh, okay... <laughs> And then we find out that he used to actually, when he still had his ability to speak, he was an opera singer with a beautiful voice. I don't know if that was the actor's actual voice or if they dubbed over him or what, but I was like, I was like, oh, look at you. You're a, you're a beautiful singer. And then I thought, were you trying to go for like this tragic story of this person who lost a very integral part of their identity, which is, oh, I was a singer and now I literally cannot use my voice? Because if you were maybe you needed a bit more time with the character? No, because that piece of information is not divulged in service of Bo, it's in service of Julian and Lily, because it's about how Julian and Lily miss hearing his voice. He's off in the background of the shot, smiling and closing his eyes a little bit, and then they cut away from him. So it's like, it's not even we got this flashback to Bo as a person before losing his voice like living his life being that opera singer we don't get that we just get a record playing of him while Julian and Lily are rekindling themselves so it wasn't for that purpose at all and if it was far cry so it was just a bit of trivia like oh here's a fun fact when he did have a voice he was a singer and it's like okay now moving what? on <laughs> Now what do we do? <laughs> it's the God. clumsy handling of minorities that Vampire Diaries by then had built a reputation of. This is the season after, I'm gay and your brother, so you're the least attractive person <laughs> in the world to me. One thing I will say, I appreciate that his lack of voice does not hinder him from doing magic. It does not seem that like the vocal component is important because he's there when they're casting spells. He's leading spells sometimes. So that's, I guess, a small silver lining of like they didn't do a weird story where it's like, oh, well, he can't speak, so he can't do magic. And it's like, I Oof. don't. This that would have been weird. awful. But by then, by then, we'd seen a lot of non-verbal magic from usually more seasoned witches like Esther or Dr. Jonas Martin. Uh, right. But I'm so, saying like yeah. even in times where they're chanting, where they're doing recitations, he doesn't need to be doing that. So that's good. It makes me think of uh, in the first Doctor Strange movie where Stephen Strange assumes that his hands, they've lost most of their dexterity, will hinder him from casting all these spells that require hand gestures. And then the Ancient One shows him this man who literally is missing a hand, but is still able to do everything they do. 
you have a disabled black character who is a vampire like in a way because the heretics are vampiric it, it would have been so interesting because vampirism is always this thing that like seems to repair any damage done or at least freeze you in the state at which you die to become a vampire and we've never seen a vampire in this universe up until that point with an injury or uh, a body that was different than the typical human body it could have been cool to have like a, a fleshed out character who was like oh he this, this is a vampire who's not like what you might imagine vampirism looks like and and how do we navigate a character yeah. you mentioned the injury as a vampire from a metatextual level but within the text he is of course mute because he was stabbed through the throat with the phoenix sword by the huntress reina cruz who we won't get into it too much right now but essentially her combined with that weapon creates injuries that do not heal as a vampire and that allow her to track you down anywhere in the earth it's pretty crazy yeah assuming again that you've listened to the lily episode you know all the events from Bo's inception to lily's death after lily's death he kind of disappears for like four or five episodes i believe they say in the episode with lily's funeral that he didn't show up because he couldn't bring himself to say goodbye what can be said about that i suppose sounds like we didn't want to pay the actor for a shoot day but or maybe he was unavailable you know sometimes actors have more than one job maybe luke cage was filming at the time i i can't remember the exact year luke cage comes out but he comes back at a time where so this is when caroline's having her well she isn't having her babies they've reached a point in the pregnancy where they realize the babies are siphons and they are siphoning the vampirism out of caroline as they grow within her it's looking like it's gonna kill her before the babies come to term so stefan and valerie get the heretics to come help out all four of them well the four of them that are remaining do this spell to basically lure the babies into siphoning from them rather than siphoning from Caroline. And then they do like an emergency C-section to get them out so that everyone survives, which I thought was interesting. It is at this point, however, that a bunch of stuff is happening with this mysterious huntress who's not yet named. We get flashbacks to them in 1903 where they are attacked Seemingly this Huntress is chasing down Julian and Bo gets jabbed through the back and through the throat as she shows up to come kill Julian and essentially any vampires in the vicinity. They manage to escape. This is the reason they were trying to go from London back to New York. But before they manage to get away, Julian is stabbed with the Phoenix Sword and his soul is assumedly sucked into the Phoenix Stone. What soul? Strictly in the most mechanical sense, the soul. <laughs> But that is how we see not only how Bo became mute, but also that Bo was the first victim of the Huntress amongst the heretic family. It's in present day when his scar starts opening up that signals the Huntress is back and she's coming straight for him. Bo, Nora and Mary Louise leave to get a head start while Valerie stays to continue the spell. But they are not 10 feet outside the entrance of the hospital before the phoenix sword appears from off screen and plunges into Bo's heart. Oh. <laughs> he is, in fact, dead in the episode he came back. Oh. 
So yeah, that's that's kind of what came back. It's kind to of die. the be all and end all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not the first character that that happens to in the TBD universe, but it's still it's a shame we don't even get to see like maybe him grappling with the fact that it's the tracking device, for lack of a better word on his very flesh that is endangering his family like maybe him him feeling like he's a burden or trying to lead her away or doing something he's he's really just a plot device which is why they get rid of him so quickly right i mean we need the huntress to engage with the main characters somehow so Bo literally a vehicle to bring her into the plot the writers really say listen we're gonna give you a lesbian romance we're gonna give you <laughs> Some more Stefan romance that doesn't involve a doppelganger. We can't squeeze all this like into one season, so you know. Somebody's gotta go. Somebody's gotta go. I will say I, I'd forgotten in those flashbacks just before Rena attacks him, we do get a couple moments of Bo. I mean, not talking, which sucks. It is Bo singing. Okay. Yeah, I do remember him singing. It was nice to hear him sing, but I was like, it'd just be great to get a sense of the person he was when he could communicate with some agency, but no. Now he's he's literally singing to his white family and then gets stabbed in the throat. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Even like some of the other heretics, we we get a sense of what life might have been like for them prior to the whole mm. prison world thing. Like when I don't know who it is or if it's both of them uh, between uh Mary Lou and Nora when they put that curse on Caroline to make her skin vervain. That was Valerie. Valerie put that curse. Oh, it was Valerie! But it's one among Nora and Mary Lou who sarcastically says to Caroline, Oh, you barred from showing physical affection for your significant other. Try being gay in 1900. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like it's, it's, it's cool to get a, a little flash of what life might have been like for you back then. And it's a shame that we don't get to see it from Bo, who in this show is one of the few long-lived black characters and one of the few black vampires who's the main character who we ever get introduced to like i don't know about legacy but between the first two shows there's maybe like <laughs> three main characters who are old vampires and are black it's Bo who's a heretic it's diego who doesn't do much but is like marcel's right hand man for a while it's marcel himself is and diego long lived actually i don't know enough about diego to know how old he is that's a good point who knows? <laughs> you really don't get much about him <laughs> He seems young to me, is the thing. It's just Marcel, Aya, and and Bo. Because there's Harper, but Harper was in the tomb the whole time. Yeah, Harper, all we see is him vaguely saying that he was left to die on a battlefield and Pearl turned him. Yeah, it's it's a shame. And it would have been great to at least get a perspective on Bo. As a black man in the late 19th, early 20th century, moving with this white family, because they were moving as a family. They traveled everywhere together. Certainly wasn't a cakewalk, I imagine, to be a black person at that time. And it's just something that's never addressed. Definitely not. We just don't have the time, I guess. In that first episode of season seven, we hear a voiceover from one of the heretics. I'm not going to try to guess who it is. One of the women, I'm, I keep getting them confused. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be Valerie because she was the one who was coming back from outside. She's talking about how she's been in the 21st century for a few weeks now, I imagine. Maybe a few months. She's talking about how all the air smells like poison and like she's walking by all these cars blowing their petrol. And I'm Sounds like, like Valerie. I, 
I wish I wish we could have gotten that with Bo, but because they refused to give his character any other way of communicating other than his family like instinctively knowing what he's thinking, we we don't get much insight into his mind, and it's it's a shame. He's one on a long list of wasted black characters on this show. He briefly comes back uh, towards the end of the season. A bunch has happened since then, but essentially the Phoenix Stone has exploded, and all the vampires who were in it, I believe, are scattered to the wind and kind of find other vampire bodies to occupy and then they just move around as is for whatever reason damon enzo and bonnie are crossing vampires off of the list for the huntress and so they encounter this den of vampires and start slaying them and they get to one who seems to recognize them and says it's me Bo." Enzo, to his credit, stops at that point and pulls out the stake because at that point he's already gotten the stake into his abdomen, I think. And he insists that it's Bo. Damon's like, Bo the heretic? Small world. And then goes to stake him anyway. I mean, at this point, Bonnie and Damon are in a fight that I don't care about. But Bonnie (laughs) says, Bo helped save Caroline's life and their babies, Rick and Joe's babies. Because again, he was there helping them draw their siphoning away from Caroline and towards themselves at risk of their own lives. And so Bonnie says, we can't just kill him. Damon disregards that and does it anyway because Damon being Damon. I think it's like Bonnie's life is at stake. They're trying to, we'll get to it some other time. But it's like Bonnie herself is telling him, don't kill him. He did good for us. I won't take it on my conscience. And Damon just goes, yoink, I'll rip his heart out. I don't need a stake. So then I guess that's the third death of Bo, because die as a human, die as a vampire, die as a vampire spirit possessing another vampire. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, what a pity. I'm curious, because I don't remember, the body that he was in, <laughs> what, what did the person look like? <laughs> I mean, I can't tell his ethnicity from just looking at him, and I'm not going to hazard a guess, (laughs) but Brandon Akira is the actor's name, so that's who he is possessing in that episode. I wonder what it would have been like. Valerie, at one point, mentions that because she was the first ever heretic, once Julian realized that, oh, siphoners can be sired into heretics with vampire blood, he then started deliberately turning them into heretics and that in her mind he was building an army. It would have been interesting to explore like what exactly that looks like when this army of people you're building for yourself include an Asian man, a black man, three women, (laughs) two of whom are queer, (laughs) being built by this... In the early 1900s. It's like, what? (laughs) The optics of, of Julian building himself this army of protection based on all these people who already would have had harder lives than him existing in this world, not just as siphoners of a Gemini coven, but as second-class citizens in the Western world. I guess that's how you do it, right? Less in a sense of... Because they're not moving through the world in typical fashion. They move at night. Usually the people they encounter, they're drinking and killing anyways. It's almost like cult mentality, right? You look for people who don't have connections, who don't have people who would miss them, who don't have people who would think twice when you've sort of been taken in by this person. Yeah. So you go for the marginalized, you go for the downtrodden, you go for the ostracized, because those are the people being disenfranchised in society that are the easiest to swing to your side. Which might be how one of them ended up a Confederate soldier. Yeah, I I just... 
I truly hope we've left the era of the vampire who was once Confederate part, of the, part of the Confederacy. I hope we've left that in the 2010s and we never revisited. The fact that it happened so many times is weird. Four times too many. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's the fourth one? Well, it's Damon. It's vampire bill bill yeah. compton in true blood it's jasper jasper yeah in twilight damn maybe i was counting stefan in my head who very patently was not in the army well he was in the army but not in that war yeah not in that war stefan was at home stefan was 70 <laughs> <laughs> i guess three times then three times too many but yeah, that's all I've got on Bo. Not much to say, sadly. Not much to say, but I mean, that's what this format is for. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Mail us at animalattackpod at gmail.com. Tweet us at animattackpod. That's A-N-I-M, attack pod. Check our link tree in the bio for all our internet stuff. And we'll see you in the next full episode. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>